you suffer from numbness, tingling, burning, or pain in your feet and legs? It could be caused by something as simple and common as a B1 deficiency. This is Dr. Ronald Hoppen with a solution for low B1. Zobria. Zobria is a safe, effective, and clinically proven nutritional supplement containing a high-potency bioactive form of vitamin B1, which has been shown to reverse symptoms caused by low B1 with no side effects. Low B1 causes your nerve cells to stop functioning properly, resulting in numbness, tingling, burning, and pain in the feet and legs. It may also contribute to forgetfulness, loss of mental focus, fatigue, and loss of appetite. Restoring proper B1 levels has been shown to improve the functioning of these nerve cells. You can get Zobria risk-free by going to zobria.com. That's zobria.com and get 20% off with coupon code Hoffman at checkout. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's zobria.com. Vitamin B1 perfected. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine. I am Layla Mutin, your host. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. I have a master's degree in nutrition and exercise. Got a private practice here in New York, and I work with Dr. Ronald Hoffman. If you'd like to make an appointment, call the office, talk to Liz. She'll set you up. 212 779 1744. That's 212 779 1744. So, are you worried about your brain? Are you worried about Alzheimer's, dementia? Who isn't as we get older? These are the things to think about. And especially if you have a previous, uh, a a, a past, uh, you know, a family history of dementia and or Alzheimer's. So, uh, we know we concentrate on diet because Alzheimer's is called type 3 diabetes. It's a type of insulin resistance in the brain, which is problematic. Well, guess what else is important? You could be eating right, exercising, sleeping well. These are all part of the equation. Well, there's a study that shows that clean air matters for a healthy brain. Clean air matters for your brain. Researchers say that their studies on air pollution and cognitive decline, one involving humans and the other one involving mice, are providing evidence that cleaner air may reduce the risk for Alzheimer's as well as other dementias. Two USC researchers whose work linked air pollution to a greater risk of Alzheimer's disease and faster cognitive decline are seeing signs that cleaner air can make a difference in brain health. Sounds reasonable, right? You need to detoxify that stuff. Cars and factories produce a fine particulate known as PM 2.5 that USC-led studies have linked to memory loss and Alzheimer's disease. Smaller than the width of a human hair, 
These tiny particles pose a big problem. Once inhaled, they pass directly from the nose up and into the brain beyond the blood-brain barrier that normally protects the brain from dust or other invaders. Wow, because it's that fine of a particulate. That's interesting. In a research letter published in Alzheimer's and Dementia, the journal of the Alzheimer's Association, the USC researchers described how their labs each independently reported indications of recent decreases in neurotoxicity, that's damage to the brain or nervous system caused by exposure to toxic substances of PM 2.5 air pollution in humans and mice. So one, a few of the, the researchers focused on the PM 2.5 pollution. Long-term exposure to PM 2.5 has been linked to premature death, particularly in people with chronic heart or lung diseases. Certainly they can make lung disease work. They can already exacerbate existing lung disease. If you already have chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, you know, a chronic bronchitis or emphysema or, or, or bronchiectasis, you know, certainly this exposure to this fine particulate in the air can exacerbate everything. So there was a study published earlier this year in the journal of Alzheimer's disease that showed a strong association between cognitive deficits and air pollution among people with lower levels of education in 2004. And based on data from the nationwide health and retirement study, the work showed that when exposed to PM 2.5, adults 65 and older who had fewer than eight years of education faced a greater risk of cognitive impairment. So socioeconomic status has everything to do with where you live and the amount of uh, pollution that you're exposed to. So an unlikely fact, the likely factor was the reduction in the PM 2.5 over the prior decade, because let me jump back to this a minute. The adults and old, 65 and older who had fewer than eight years of education faced a greater risk of cognitive impairment. But one de- decade later, they found no such association. So why was that? And a likely factor, they surmise, was the reduction in PM 2.5 over the prior decade. Air quality data showed the average annual PM 2.5 levels in the study participants neighborhoods were 25% below 2004 levels. Hey, that's great, isn't it? Getting a little better with the environment? I hope so. So the PM 2.5 levels in their neighborhoods were 25% below the 2004 levels. This is progress. Notably in 2014, very few of the study participants lived in places 
with annual average PM 2.5 that exceeded U.S. Environmental Protection Agency air quality standards. This further suggested that the improvements with cognitive decline were linked to a drop in exposure to high pollution among older adults. Great. That's good. So lowering the exposure rate to air pollution is always a good thing. So improving air quality may have cognitive benefits. And in the research on mice, which was published earlier this year in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease, also found evidence of lower neurotoxicity of air pollution over time because the rates of pollution went down. So the research team studied pollution levels at the same Los Angeles site and their effect on mouse brains since 2009. After 2017, the mice exposed to a tiny nanoscale version of PM 2.5 appeared healthier. Markedly, they showed sharp declines in several factors of neurotoxicity, including oxidative damage to cells and tissues. And during the years that the researchers' studies were taking place, the composition of air pollution in the United States was also changing. From the year 2000 to the year 2020, over 20 years, PM 2.5 levels declined nationwide by 41%, according to the EPA. In contrast, urban PM 2.5 in Los Angeles declined only slightly from 2009 to 2019. That's over 10 years. While nationwide ozone levels decreased, Los Angeles County ozone reversed the prior trends by increasing after 2015. Yeah, that Los Angeles smog. Hmm. So the researchers emphasized that their findings cannot evaluate potential benefits of air pollution improvements to the risk of cognitive decline and dementia. Although PM 2.5 levels declined nationally from 2009 to 2016, the year-over-year increases that have been observed since 2017 show that improvements in air quality can be reversed as they were in Los Angeles. Quote, our findings underscore the, the importance of efforts to improve air quality, as well as the continued importance of demographic and experimental evaluation of air pollution neurotoxicity. So this is very, very important, the air that we breathe. We could be doing everything we write, but everything right, eating, you know, drinking pure water, sunshine, sleep, all of that stuff. But listen, even if you live in a polluted area, an urban area, you can make sure that your your home air filtration 
is well taken care of. If you have HVAC systems, you want to make sure you've got your HEPA filters. You want to make sure that you're maintaining your central air systems, your heating systems, by regularly maintaining them, having filters change, having cleanings done minimum twice a year, I believe. You have to check with your manufacturer on their recommendations of what you should be doing with your at-home uh, clean air systems. This is very, very important. And, you know, even at worst, if, if you don't have and you're opening your windows and you live in a big city and you could see the soot on your windowsill, like we do here in New York, you know, we're wiping down our windowsills every three days if we've got the windows open because of the soot coming in from all the heating boilers of the, the old apartment buildings around the city. Uh, what you can do is get an air purifier in your room, in your bedroom at least, while you sleep. You close the window, put on your air conditioner, right? Set its thermostat, make sure you're cleaning those filters thoroughly. This is important stuff. Now, I want to talk to you about another study from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, October 2021, I believe, is, is the issue. Effect of carbohydrate-restricted dietary interventions on LDL particle size and number in adults in the context of weight loss or weight maintenance. This is a systematic review at a meta, at a, and a meta-analysis. LDL particle size and number are emerging lipid risk factors. See, it's not simply about the number. It's also about the size. You want big, fluffy pattern A LDL. Even if your LDL is high, you want big, fluffy pattern A. It's less, it's less atherogenic. You don't want small pattern B particles. The small particles are not desirable. They are atherogenic. They are more prone to get caught in the tiny nooks and crannies of your coronary arteries and create an obstruction and create a blockage. So LDL particle size and number are lipid risk factors. Non-systematic reviews have suggested that diets lower in carbs and higher in fats may result in increased LDL particle size when compared with higher carbohydrate diets. I want to tell you right now, I know this to be true in my own practice since way back in 2003. So talk about almost 20 years of doing this. I have only seen those who embark on a low-carb diet, a high-fat diet, that their LDL particles increase in size, making them more desirable and less atherogenic. I've seen this over and over and over in hundreds and hundreds of case studies. So this study aimed to systematically re review available evidence and conduct meta-analyses of studies addressing the association of carb carbohydrate restriction with LDL particle size. They searched all these databases. They took so many. They've pooled hundreds of studies. They've looked at all of those 
and they looked at internal validity, and they looked at publication bias. They were assessed using Cochrane's risk of bias tools. Cochrane is supposed to have the most integrity when it comes to research and pulling out the weeds of bad research. And this review summarizes the findings from 38, 38 randomized trials, including a total of 1,785 participants. Carbohydrate-restricted dietary interventions were associated with an increase in LDL peak particle size and a reduction in LDL particles. The effect of a carbohydrate-restricted dietary intervention on LDL peak particle size appeared to be partially explained by differences in weight loss between intervention groups An exploratory analysis revealed a shift from small, dense to large, larger LDL subclasses. So, no statistically significant association was found between carbohydrate-restricted dietary intervention and mean LDL particle size. So, what is the conclusion to this study? that the available evidence, and there's there's a lot that they looked at, 38 randomized control trials, over 1,700 people. The available evidence indicates that dietary interventions restricted in carbohydrates increase LDL peak particle size and decrease the numbers of total and small LDL particles. There. Vindication. This tells me, this this cements for me all that I've been seeing in my nearly 20 years of of doing this, of prescribing low-carb, high-fat diets. We always see the LDL particle size get better. But Layla, my LDL went up. It matters less that it went up. Let me tell you why. If your particle size became bigger and fluffier pattern A, your risk factor still goes down. If your HDL cholesterol went up too, your ratio got better, reducing your risk factor. And I'll tell you something else. More than, more than cholesterol in and of itself, there are more important risk mar- there are more important markers for cardiovascular disease. They are lipoprotein little a, lipoprotein little a, that's LP and in parenthesis a little a. Lipoprotein in parenthesis a. Homocysteine is another marker of cardiovascular disease, a very important marker. Marker, I can't tell you how many patients I've seen personally whose cholesterol numbers are great. They're low, they're this, they're that, their doctors aren't concerned, they're not on a statin, but they wind up with cardiovascular disease. Why? Because their homocysteine was never checked. And their homocysteine is like 
a 15 or a 13. That's too high. But Layla, the lab says that recommended levels for homocysteine are below 15. Yeah, but that's not optimal. And we're still seeing that people at 14, 13, 12, 11 still have a risk for coronary artery disease. We like the optimal numbers for homocysteine should be less than nine or eight, definitely less than 10, definitely less than 10. If you've got a homocysteine of eight or below, more power to you. Keep it there. You want to keep it there. You want to make sure your lipoprotein little a is nice and low. Lipoprotein little a is a tougher nut to crack because so much of that is hereditary. And it can be very tough getting that down. And there is also oxidized cholesterol. And what's causing the oxidation of cholesterol? A lot of free radicals. What's causing the free radicals? Your pro-inflammatory diet, your poor diet, the excess weight you're carrying around, the high blood sugar you have circulating, the high insulin levels that you have circulating that are contributing to the inflammation, also contributing to other things like high blood pressure. There's a lot going on, but this is absolute vindication. They did this systemic research and meta-analysis. They looked at all these studies, especially 38 randomized control trials from a total of 1,785 participants. Low-carb, high-fat diet increases your LDL particle size to big, fluffy, desirable particle A. There you have it. I want to thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In here on Intelligent Medicine. There's never been a more important time to ensure your immune system is operating at its peak. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman with a new natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals created exclusively to help promote a better immune response. Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea. Future Farm's Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea is the first to combine these three powerful ingredients together. Elderberries packed with antioxidants, vitamins, and may boost your immune system. Echinacea has been shown to activate chemicals in the body that decrease inflammation, and zinc activates T lymphocytes. Low zinc has been associated with increased susceptibility. For more information and order, call 888-841-7216. That's 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Elderberry with zinc and echinacea is all natural science-based and works without adverse side effects. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. This is Layla Mutin, R.D., I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.